everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. We are going to power through this Mamba Jamba because it is 100 degrees in here. We're recording very late at night to try to cut down on the heat in our prospective apartments. And uh, I don't know if it's going to work, but... It's not going to work because I'm already sweating. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually sweating too. And you're a not a sweater. I am not a sweater. I'm definitely a tank top. I am not a sweater. And so... <laughs> <laughs> I've just been waiting to and make that And that's our joke. show. <laughs> this episode is called Vanished. It's a great episode. It's one of my favorites. I've seen it many times, but I was excited that it was on again. And I wrote in Insta- on Instagram, Dateline like promotes throughout the week what the episode is. And they showed a clip from it. And I said, oh, oh my gosh, I love this episode. I can't wait to see it. And they wrote back, this is your last and final warning. (laughs) And I thought I did something wrong because (gasps) I didn't didn't remember. Oh, because it's been a while. I don't have it memorized or anything. Yeah, but you have your reputation. So me in a panic. And I was like, oh, no, what did I do? Is Susan Nall from Dateline upset with me? And I wrote back, what did I do? You forgot her birthday. It took like five hours to write back. And then she was like. We're quoting the episode. You must not know it as well as you think you do. <laughs> it's like, see, darn it. See, you like, Dateline. Oh, that's a bummer. They like, they got you. Because normally you do remember things very, very well. So. Yeah, but not necessarily like a quote like that. This, that is the standout quote from the episode. I don't. For nev- sure. I will never forget it again. Well, now I mean, yeah, that's it. This was, I thought we had done this. I texted you saying, I think we've already done this one. I think I've watched this up by myself. Oh, maybe. Because I knew this episode. I knew it enough to think we had done it. So mm, it's very memorable. Yeah. Uh, it aired originally May 9th, 2014, season 22, episode 36, hosted by Arlene King. And um, Keith starts by saying, they're watching us. They know where we are, how we shop, how we play. What we do, who we love, electronic eyes. Now he says electronic. It's fancier. It's like saying vanished instead of vanished. Okay, okay. The sticky pixel fingerprints follow us almost everywhere. And the weird fractured personal diary they write remains forever. It's meaningless, most of it. Meaningless, that is, until it's not. It's particularly good. It's a great opener, and this is a man who consistently gives us great openers. It's also a particularly good amount of B-roll. We're getting surveillance footage of all different sorts sort of overlapping each other. Sticky pixel fingerprints. Yeah. Uh, Justin did great. That is very well done. This was his last episode before he got promoted, I think, because he nailed it. This He got promoted. The head of NBC called him into the network office with the swipey ID card that we saw in this episode and promoted him. Is he an AP now? Is he an assistant producer? Yeah, or assistant to the producer? Congrats, Justin. Good job, Justin. You did great. There's no Justin. We made him up. That's okay. San Francisco, just in case we have new listeners who are like, who's Justin? Justin isn't real. He's the person that when there's fancy or newfangled editing, we say it's Justin, who's just added graphic design school. (laughs) <laughs> so with this is San Francisco 2011 mm-hmm. Michelle Lay but it's written L-E Lay though 
It's also pronounced Lee several times throughout the episode, depending on who you're talking to. But I think Lay is what Keith says, and we go with Keith. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we definitely go with Keith. Electronically. <laughs> she's 26. She's a nursing student. She leaves her post at a hospital in the middle of her shift and is seen going to the hospital parking lot, driving off, disappeared. We see then on the security footage, her, her supervisor grabbing a security guard and going through the parking garage looking for her. Her car then re-enters the parking lot and we're seeing all this. The supervisor gets excited and flags down the car, waving at it, but the car speeds off out of the parking garage again. It's a weird series of events. And it's all within two hours of each other. This like, she goes in at 7, 15, the car re-enters at 9.05 and then speeds off. So this is kind of fast. Boom, boom, boom. So then we meet Michelle's cousin, Christine, who's one of our main interviews. Heartbreaking. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Huge I'm going to say it Christine. from the top. Yeah. I don't think that's a hot take. I would defy anyone to not like her. So okay. Michelle, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be me. And I liked her. So. so there we go. So we're done. There we go. Yeah. So Michelle was responsible. She grew up with 15 cousins and she was kind of the leader of the pack. And she's a mother figure to her younger brother, Michael. Michael and Michelle, cute siblings. Oh, yeah. Very cute. Very cute. Yeah. Okay. I take it. So 12 hours after she's reported missing, police find her car a few blocks from the hospital. And there's a police investigator on the case. His name is Fraser Ritchie. That sounds fake. That is not a detective name. And he doesn't look like a detective at all. No. Not even a little bit. He looks like one of those. He looks a little bit like Dennis in the way that it's like a child is just stretched out into an adult. Yes. Yeah, that's what he looks like. Fraser Ritchie sounds like the head of an emo punk band. That's excellently done. Thank you. Fraser Ritchie would be, but like definitely from England. Okay. Yeah, he lives in Manchester. So the whole family of Michelle drives from San Diego up to San Francisco and they start looking for her right away. They're passing out flyers. They're texting her like crazy with no response. Finally, they get a response back, I believe, the next day. And the response from the text says, I am not missing. My phone has been acting crazy. The I am not missing is in quotes, which is really weird because the rest of it, it literally is like, quote, I am not missing, unquote. My phone has been acting crazy. Not like I am not missing. The quotes needed. Real beef served here. It's (laughs) like, it's the whole sentence. I am not missing. I, I don't know. That was weird, and that should have been a clue, and it should have been discussed. Um, I'm hoping it was. I think so. They just cut it for time. But I didn't... Yeah, by the way, this was 22 hours after she went missing, so it's it's exactly, like, one day later, because they had been sort of getting all the, like, info that she was gone in the morning, and then later in that late afternoon, evening, the text comes. I just happened to write down all the times on this one. Yeah, I don't know why it's so important. <laughs> No, I'm just excited for my, I'm excited for us that I wrote them down for for us. us. Good for us. We did it. So she says, my phone has been acting crazy. No, I'm really proud of you. Don't, don't wipe that look off your face. I can't. It's stuck like this. (laughs) She says, my phone deleted everything. All these texts have killed my battery. Like, how dare you guys be looking for me? It's draining my battery. Did you take it like that? Okay. I did. And then it's like, I'm fine, just taking it easy. I just need some time. I had a bad night last night. 
There's like a million excuses. She's responding every single response. It's like she had a book of like vague excuses. Yeah. Super vague. My dog ate my homework. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so she's for three hours writing back to everyone. And then they just stop again. Her ex texts her and she knew his number by heart. And when he texts her, she writes back, who is this? Okay. So, I mean, this is the biggest question of the episode. Why doesn't she have the number under a name? There could be a well, few reasons for it. Well, maybe it's under a nickname. Maybe it's under a nickname for him. It's not. It's definitely just a number. The only thing that I could think, and the only reason that you would have somebody's number in your phone is not their name, is if you're trying not to call them and you don't have their number memorized. Maybe that's why. But she does have it. She does. She would recognize the number. She would, but it's still that it's like a more emotional deleting of the name. I've done it a million times. <laughs> I'm never going to text them again. You know who I've deleted? Chinese food restaurants so that I would stop calling them. It's but the you know s- what? Same There's principle. There's Google for that. There's Google for that. <laughs> well, don't tell yourself that. That's beside, that I can't it. convince myself that there's no Google when I want Chinese food. Or Frontier Walk. My mind doesn't work. Like If I could go and do Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and convince myself that there is no Chinese food delivery, then I would be a much healthier person. I miss Chinese food delivery at your house more than I'll, you'll ever know. That's sad. So someone has her phone and they think that she's been kidnapped. That's what the family thinks. That's so much creepier than just her missing, by the way, is getting the text back when you realize that it's not the person. That would freak me out. The brother said it seemed sinister and Keith says, sinister? Where'd you get that word? Um, No, he didn't say that. Fraser texts her and says, I'm the police. You need to contact me. But here's the issue with that. We see the text later. He uses the informal letter U instead of Y-O-U when he's trying to get someone who might be missing slash kidnapped to come into the police station. That is not nearly formal enough for what the situation requires. Am I wrong? Is Fraser actually a detective? Fraser is... Is he like the movie? He's a con man. Is he like the movie Big? He's a child. And then he went to a genie in a machine and then it turned him into. Okay. Because that's that, it. That's it. That's exactly what he's. Yes. Good. I'm, I'm glad I figured it out. Oh, I feel so much better now. Okay, good. So but he gets a text back from Michelle saying, My phone is broken. I'm having car trouble. Oh my God. And I was Just, like, Which one is it, B? I Are can't. you having car trouble? Or is your phone broken? The only person that she's Michelle's been having problems with is Giselle Esteban. So Giselle used to be like best friends with Michelle. Then Giselle fell in love with a guy, Scott, got pregnant with him. They were together for a while and then they broke up. They were getting Michelle, married. Yes. Michelle stayed friends with Scott after the breakup. And Giselle had a huge problem about that. So Fraser goes to Giselle and says, we're here about Michelle. And Giselle says, who? And then he says, Michelle Lee. And he goes, she goes, oh, God, what about her? Oh, she says who first, huh? Mm-hmm. She's very low energy, too. It's more like, who? What about, oh, uh, what about her? Would you ever say that if the police, even if you hated the person? No, because the police are there. Right. The, it's the police. You don't say, oh, what about her? Let me tell you all about Michelle. It's like she's getting ready to launch into some gossip. I know. I mean, I, sometimes we see it on the show and they'll it's like a troublemaker and they're like, oh, police, what did they do now? 
But this is Michelle's like a not a troublesome person. So it's obvious it's not that sort of reaction. She's like, oh, what about her? Why are the police here? So he says, I understand you have a tumultuous relationship. And she's like, you could say we have a tumultuous relationship. Michelle slept with my then fiance. So, yes, we have a tumultuous relationship. I don't. She didn't I slept want with Oliver. No biggie fries. We moved on. It happens. Oliver who? <laughs> oh, God. What about him? Oh, God. What about him? The police go to see Scott, who now has sole custody of their daughter. She's very interesting. Interesting. Yes. And he seemed honest to them. So the police. Hmm. Again, Fraser, not a real detective. Fraser, Fraser just if says his judgment is. I sound. got the feeling that just you get the feeling that he's just he's telling you the truth. And I'm like, yeah. you're a detective. It's your job to not believe him. Also, I keep wanting to, like, talk about Niles, but it's Fraser, not Fraser. And so I can't talk about Niles and it's bothering me. Yeah, he would not appreciate that. Because he's going to get, he probably gets that all the time. I think he still doesn't get the joke. I think he's gotten it his entire life or since that show was on and he still doesn't get it. He goes, why do people always come up to me and ask where Niles is? Where the dog is? Where's Eddie the dog? What are people talking about? There's really nothing wrong with this man. We just decided that he's not a real detective based on his name. No. And the way that he, he looks, he's blonde and he sort of looks like um, a doll. Like he looks like a. Ken doll a little bit, just like honestly, I don't really recall what he looks like. Oh, okay, he looks mm, he looks like an actor I can't place, but that's all right. Okay, go ahead. Okay, that's not helpful. So Definitely there is a, another. Here's the crazy part. There's another nursing nursing student, thirteen months before, same ethnicity as Michelle Lay, Vietnamese American, whose name was Fong Lay, mm-hmm. same last name who went missing 13 months before. Nearby. Nearby. Mm-hmm. Is someone mad at all the lays? Some, someone have something against Vietnamese nurses? Yeah, is someone a racist? Would, no, because I feel like that's so specific. It would be like something happened. You had You had an interaction with a Vietnamese nurse when you were two. Right. No, I was just going to say, like, your nanny was a Vietnamese nurse and she was and she burned your hand or something. Yeah. On accident. But you never thought it was an accident. Mm hmm. It's like on Criminal Minds. They have someone that's like a surrogate for the person. So they have a bunch of people that they practice on first before they get to their actual person. So Michelle and Fong are not even the first two. There's like a third one who's the real person. That caused all this damage, if we're going by criminal mind theory, which, sure. So Fong's body was found in the woods. The case is unsolved. Her detective's name was Greg Hurlbut. Now, I had a teacher in middle school named Hurlbut. We pronounced it Hurlbut. Okay, and? Had a huge crush on him. Oh. But Keith says Hurlbut. Yeah, I think it's Hurlbut. Like halibut. Yeah, I think it's Hurlbut. Okay. We said Hurlbut. Um, maybe just because that's how he said it. or Because maybe you, your children. Said, yeah, that maybe just because we were in middle school. So Greg doesn't think that this case is related to Greg and Fraser. Don't think that these cases are related. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they never solved Fong's case. Did they never? 
It's unsolved. So how do they know that it's not related? If you don't know who the killer is, how can you say it's not related? I don't understand. Fraser? We seem to be jumping to a lot of conclusions quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So Michelle's family is very frustrated and doesn't feel like the police are doing anything. Mm -hmm. They hold a vigil and they get it out there on the news. Scott, Giselle's boyfriend or ex-boyfriend, whatever, the one that Michelle slept with, he attends the vigil. And you see the photo of him at the vigil and then the background slowly turns to black so that it's just him on the screen. (laughs) Fancy. Drama. Fancy B-roll there. So police have now searched Michelle's car and they've decided to change the case to a homicide. Wait, where did they find the car? Nearby, a few blocks nearby from the hospital. Okay, gotcha. Police won't tell the family why they've decided that it's not a missing persons case, that it's now a homicide case. So the family is so frustrated, they don't know anything that's going on. This bothers me. Did this bother you? It really bothered me. It happens so much on Datelines, and it's very frustrating. You get why, but you but it's you sometimes get why. This time I don't get why, because this is a false hope. Yes, it did give them false hope, but it wasn't, I don't think that was the reason. I think the reason was they immediately thought that it was someone that knew her. So they felt like they could not tell the family and friends anything because they thought it was someone within that circle. See, now are you less mad? Someone explained that on Twitter to me and I was less (laughs) mad. So I was hoping you would have the same reaction for you. You said it so calmly. (laughs) And so like you had thought about this and you were like really like taking it to heart and like having a moment with it. I just was reading a bunch of people being pissed about it. And someone was like, "Um, guys, they thought it was someone in the inner circle. So they couldn't say anything. And then people were like, shame, shame. Yeah, it is shame. Okay, now, uh, darn it. I wish I had been like that. I wish I had been that person. (laughs) Let's pretend like like I am. The person that had known. Maybe I can edit this so it makes it sound like I was that person. Let's like I was angry and you were calming me down. I don't think I could. I don't think that's gonna be. Did you make that happen? <laughs> Dang it! Okay, go ahead. So um, the family is upset with the police, and they decide they just want to go as public as possible and get Michelle's name out there. Now the younger ones really want it public, but the older relatives are more traditional and want it to be very private. The cousin, Christine, explains that in Asian families, you're supposed to be very respectful to the elders and listen to what they want. But Christine is like, no, my cousin's missing. Yeah, I'm beautiful, by the way, very likable, have gorgeous hair, and we are not going to be listening to them. No. And this is our best shot. This is our one shot to get her back. How's this look? Oh, they, she is not throwing away her shot. Thanks. At her great hair. She does actually have stunning hair. Honestly, I was so jealous of her part that I kept staring at it because it's perfectly done and shiny. Yeah. And speaking of shiny hair, by now you've probably heard me talk about pros. It's the world's most personalized hair care. So I just want to take a moment to share a few updates since using the custom formulas that pros sent to me. Spoiler alert up front, it's the real deal. I have been using my pre-shampoo treatment, shampoo, conditioner, and hair oil system, four-part system. That's how fancy I am. I'm fancy times four. You're worth it, though. Uh, Sorry, that is the slogan for another hair care product. It is, and 
Also, I'm not sure if I am because it's that nice. It's so, so nice that I don't think it's worth me and my sweatshorts, um, which are just <laughs> cut off sweatpants. So the one thing I will say out of my four-part system that I was the most nervous about was the hair oil because the word oil and hair together scares me. Like gives me seventh grade flashbacks of when I was like a perpetual oil slick. It was a really traumatic time and like... Your nickname was Greasehead, right? I I was just perpetually, it was, it's just gross. Let's just put it this way. My mom asked the doctor about it because it was so severe in seventh grade. I have a little bit of scaredness towards using oil on my hair. But because Pros formulates every product for each individual person's hair, this hair oil is honestly like the most beautiful, luxurious finishing touch. And especially if I'm using heat on my hair, it's a godsend. All it does is just make my hair super soft, super smooth, and the furthest thing away from seventh grade greasy. It makes it look adult gorgeous. Oh, also it smells like almonds, which I mean, who doesn't want to smell like a delicious sweet almond? So Pros knows that there is more to you than just your hair type. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started on my four-step system. They use zip code, eating habits, the damage level of your hair, which Mm. for me is like high, high, all, 10 out of 10, extreme, and exercise, things like that. They take into account your lifestyle when they come up with the formula that they're going to create for you. With their algorithm and over 50 billion formula combinations, Pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. Pros also has a review and refine feature, so it lets me tweak my formulas for any reason, like change of address, if I decide to change my hair color and stop wrecking it with bleach, I can let them know that and they can adjust my formulas accordingly. So if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've had, they will take all the products back, no questions asked. Amazing. Pretty great. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Again, that's pros.com, P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline. 15% off when you check out. Strike a pros. Strike a pros. 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 Pros before bros. (laughs) I did like that. You did? good. Yeah, that was good. I liked it. I liked it. Thank you. Thank you, pros. Thanks, pros. Check them out, guys. So the Lay family came from Vietnam and they escaped from the war and they've gone through all of these struggles and they assimilated to America. The younger kids basically win this battle of we're going to go public and convince There's more of them. There's 15 of them. There are. There's 15 of the cousins. So they go public and they start holding press conferences regularly trying to get Michelle's name out there. The family is looking at human trafficking. They hire a private investigator named Frome. He could be part of our team. Okay. So she he finds out that she left her belongings in the hospital, meaning she totally was going to go back to her during her shift. She wasn't just leaving. She something lured her out to the garage 
and she thought she was going to return. There's one camera in the parking garage that would have told us everything. It was like right where her car was, but um, that one wasn't working. I can't even believe it. There's that. But we have a million other cameras. But literally that one, that one angle that we need. Would have showed us the person, would have showed us everything. Yeah. So when they find the new car, they ask around, the detective asks around. Uh, No, I'm sorry. I think Framé asked around, the investigator. Framé, yes. Yeah, the private investigator. So where they found this new car a few blocks from the hospital, there were people who heard the car pulling up and saw the headlights, and they heard a conversation coming from the car. So Framé thinks there was more than one person involved. He thinks that it was someone she knew, and he also thinks that the case has gone cold with the police. He seems hashtag unimpressed with the police. So he starts to ask the public for information, but to go straight to him and to avoid the police, basically. He, like, totally goes, yeah, he's like, don't talk to them. We don't know her. Come to me. In case anyone's scared about going to the police, too, they can just come to him. But also because I think he thinks the police aren't doing their jobs. So Dateline is filming from a when he gets a tip from an inmate about where Michelle's body might be. He goes to see the inmate, but it turns out it was related to another case because apparently there are like tons of missing women in the San Francisco area because this is not the first one we're going to hear about. So and Fong was the first one we heard about this number two. So the family raises a ton of money for tips that eventually gets up to one hundred thousand dollars. Wow. For a reward, right? Yes. For a reward that will a tip that will lead to her them being out. Yeah, because they are they are under the assumption that she is alive. At this Not under point. the assumption, just under the hope. They know what the police has said that it's a homicide, but they're and they're saying until we have the body, we're we're going to assume she's alive, and we need to find her and rescue her. Yes. So the uncle asks for help from this woman named Carrie McGonagall. Uh huh. Like Professor Minerva. Hmm. Who can change herself into a cat? Mm-hmm. Well, she's pretty cool. I don't know. She high marks. I liked Carrie McGonagall. Well, Carrie McGonagall is the mother of Amber Dubois, whose name you might recognize. She was kidnapped, and no, it was a very famous case. Katie does not know any of the famous children that were kidnapped. I sure do. I just don't know <laughs> that one. I know the next one. You did? Oh, okay. sure did. <laughs> because you thought um, you got Pamela Smart and Elizabeth Smart you had to bring that up. I'm just kidding. It's fine. I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> so Carrie connects the family with Mark Class, whose daughter was Polly Class. That one I knew. That one. And that was kind of closer to your area, right? Isn't that Central California? Yeah, I believe it was. Also, no need to shame. I did not mean to shame you because someone was shaming someone else for not knowing about Polly Class on Twitter. <laughs> like, what? Why? No, it's a, oh my goodness, that's ridiculous. You can't be expected to know every, every single, single one. person um, that's gone missing. They all, all these parents for of these missing kids dedicate their time to helping find other missing people. That's it's so amazing. Great. So he, Mark, meets the family in a dingy, cramped hotel room, which is their headquarters, and they're all like sleeping in the same room, and they're all in their pajamas, and it's just very depressing. And he right away said, you guys need to get out of here. Like, you need a search center. You need, you know, volunteers. We need... So he gets things going. And so you're excited at this point. 
I was like, I'm getting a search party. Oh, yeah. Like, big time. I'm getting a huge, I'm getting the epic search party of all search parties. You are. That is, that is one thing that this episode gives us. Yeah. Like, half this episode is search party. Absolutely. He, first of all, get, well, gets in the center, finds some volunteers. He helps them repair the relationship that has been now pretty damaged with the police. The police finally tell them, well, there were cell phone records that led us out of town to these like rugged mountains and then back to the parking lot in the hospital, which we knew because the camera showed that car returning. The car returning. But then the car sped out again. So the police suggest a search zone for them, which is kind of like, would they not have suggested the search zone if Mark hadn't intervened? Were they just being like petulant children and hiding this information? Also, why aren't they searching this search zone? That is a really good question. Why aren't why aren't the police searching at all? Well, you guys can if you want to, but like we're not going to, but you guys can. Why? I don't know. I'm sure they're busy doing other things, but it still Mm. turns out to be relevant. And why weren't they searching? And also, why didn't they give them this information at the beginning? Correct. Why did he have to drag it out of them? It's a very good question. So they start searching this area and parts of it is like almost rock climbing. It's on boulders, like scrambling on the side. And there's then there's creeks and there's it's there's a lot going on there. And who are these searching people? Volunteers and the family. Who's the bearded gentleman? Well, there's one guy that's the head guy that Mark brings in. Yeah. He is the head search guy. That's Mark's personal head search guy. Because I wrote down Kimberly's new bearded boyfriend, question mark. I love him. He is commanding. Yeah. I wrote down his name later on, so I will get to that. But I forgot to write it down earlier. Yeah, we could j- just do search parties That's together. what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that maybe you can join. What is uh, Mark? What is his organization called? I don't know. Classes, class kids. I don't know. It might be classes something. Okay. They all had it on their back of their shirts. They did, and I'm forgetting it. I didn't write it down. Okay. So they're searching this area, and the funny thing is, I know I like want to get do search parties, and I love them so much, but really, I get very tired and overheated extremely quickly. And don't really like brush or dirt. So I think that you would, though, because in a situation like this where you have a purpose, I've seen you. I've seen you be in uncomfortable situations and push through. So I think actually you would. And it's that end of the day where you all go and eat together and you're just covered in dirt and you're tired. Do you know what I'm saying? But you've done good that day. I've almost given myself heat stroke protesting in the past few weeks. That's exactly what I'm talking about. But literally, it's like a mile of a protest walk. And then I'm like, I need to sit down. I'm going to pass out. And that's not even looking for anything. I'm just with a sign, holding a sign. I need to get in shape. Basically, I need to get in shape in order for systematic racism and search parties. Yeah, those are two really good reasons. And health goals. There we go. Yep. Yeah. So... They have a system, which I thought was very interesting. They mark off the trees with pink, like, ribbons, which are to tell the police to come and search there because they say we're just trying to help the police. We're trying to augment what what they're already doing. I don't know. They haven't been there, but sure. Sorry, I sound so bitter against the police. I don't mean to be. No, but it does make it seem in this episode like 
they're doing all the work. Yeah. For the first part of it, it does, like, for sure. So they mark off parts where there's something they think the police should look at. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, this area, oh, my God, this area is, like, gorgeous nature, but like a hellscape. There's trash everywhere. There's homeless camps. There are bodies. Because apparently it's a dumping ground, a known dumping ground for bodies. Maybe that's why the police aren't going there because they are, they don't think they're going to find anything and they think there's already bodies there, but are they the police? They should be looking for bodies. I'm sure they're overtaxed and have enough things to do. This is outside of San Francisco somewhere, but this makes me never want to go to San Francisco. There's missing nursing students. There are bodies everywhere. Sweeping generalizations. Absolutely. But they find this one encampment, which is like under this brush. And it's they go in there very bravely because there are rats in that thing. You know there are. They find a sleeping bag. They pull out a sleeping bag. Then they find a bone. And you're like, oh, God. A big bone. A a large bone. Yeah. But then they decide, I think my boyfriend decides that it is an animal bone, like a large mammal bone. Then a Dateline producer becomes part of the story, Mm -hmm. notices some bones by a creek. They find this bone. They they figure out it is the leg of a person. It's a total human bone. Yeah. But the bits of clothing by the bone were not right for Michelle. It's been out there for too long. It's like bleached by the sun. And Mm -hmm. also they realize it's from like a six foot tall man, not Michelle. Again, another person's body is just there. And apparently that's very common in this area. So very strange. It's very strange. And I feel bad for that person's family because they might want answers. So they now are on their eighth search of the area. It's 100 degrees and there are fewer volunteers because that just happens over time. And the a searcher finds some clothing partially buried in the dirt and it's women's underwear. Mm. Again, said this area was a hellscape. I was not joking. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Another false lead. Oh Somebody God. else's underwear. Okay. I don't want to know. What are we doing just, in this area? I just, yeah. We need mm-hmm. to leave. Like, yeah. Yeah. I really think all of those searchers should be commended because yeah. I would not want it. That area has bad juju going on. Yeah. So it's not, not a place I would ever want to be after dark. Because I feel like there are ghosts and spirits that have stories to tell, and they're angry. That's true. So, turns out, Fraser, we might have been a little too hard on him. Well, they haven't shown him in half an hour. They gave us cause, because they, Dateline sets us up to be on the family side, and the family is against the police, so we are against the police. Because we are sheep, and we follow what Dateline tells us. I don't know if they're against the police, they're just... They're against Fraser. They're not getting what they need. And so they're doing it themselves. Yeah. They put on their tennis shoes and their, with their hose on their sack lunches. They're letting the river run. Yeah. Letting the river run. So turns out Fraser this whole time has been really actively looking at the case uh-huh. and closing in on someone. Uh-huh. And so we rewind. 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 She, you want to keep? You want to keep going? No, I don't know it. I remember that night. I just might. Is that it? There you yes, go. This is so good. Mm-hmm. So good. 
Okay. I'm not confident enough yet. You threw me on the spot. I wasn't ready. It's all right. Next time, I'll, I'll be ready next time. Okay. Do you have another one lined up? No. I mean, it's going to be like at least, it's going to be at least a year before you learn all the lyrics. Two months. You, you, but if you don't, it's fine. I know you liked it and I can let it go. So it's fine. You don't even have to learn the words. Is it a, it's, I feel like that was a challenge. I'm ready. You liked it enough. It's fine. I'm not gonna, if you don't know, it's fine. I liked it a lot. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know why I'm thanking you. I did not create it. It's more than enough. I am enough. not Lin-Manuel Miranda. Basically. I'm thanking you on behalf of him. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say, you speak for him. Mm-hmm. And all the other Hamiltonians. Yes. The Hamiltons, I'm assuming, is what they're called. So there we go. All right. So Fraser, it turns out, from the very, very beginning of this case, mm-hmm. has been on to Giselle. We knew that, though, right? Well, I've seen this episode. But when you first saw it, do you remember? There's something about the who? Oh, oh God, what now with her? Yeah. I, honestly, it was something about her face that I was like, oh, she done did it. That's what I thought. She mm-hmm. looks angry all the time. Scary eyes, like dead eyes. Yeah, she really I, she really does. There's something off about her immediately. I was like, well, that girl did it. That was my take on it. <laughs> so they bring her in for the interrogation, and she's wearing a hoodie, and uh, it's up the whole time. Like, she doesn't give two Fs. At one point, she even lays her head down on the interrogation room, and I was like, all right. Are you tired, baby? What's going? Is this is this boring you? Are we boring you? What's happening? She's doing that like that like insecure freshman thing with like the sleeves over the hands and the hood up and like rubbing her eyes, rubbing her face. But she doesn't look the interviewer in the eye once. From what I could see, she's looking down or she has her hands in front of her face. She's like Jared Catalano. She's like I don't care. Oh, she is. That's exactly right. Yep. So she said that she considered Michelle her sister until Scott and Michelle slept together. She is now pregnant again. Scott's second baby. It is Scott? I believe I could be wrong. Okay. I'm not 100% sure about we this. We are but led I, to believe that it's Scott. We are led to believe that it's Scott's. Someone on Twitter said it wasn't Scott's, but I'm not sure. So is this a revenge baby, though? If it's not Scott's, is this, well, I'll show you. I'm going to get pregnant by another guy. Either that or I will win you back with the second baby. With the second baby. Okay. Well, so we, no matter what we think this baby is it's not manipulative. For, the right, for the right reasons. It's right. Mani- yeah. Mm-hmm. It, they call it a manipulable baby. A ma- ma- manipulable baby. Manipulable baby. And yeah. so she go- went to the hospital, she said, the day before Manipulation. Hold on. I'm going to get there. I'm trying to think of prenatal, like natal. Oh. <laughs> okay, it's fine. I'll, think, I'll get there later. Okay, go ahead. Prenipulation? Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she says, they say, when did you last see Michelle? She's like, actually... But she doesn't say actually because that implies interest in what you're saying. So she just she's like, well, um, I'm pregnant and I went to the hospital for a checkup and I saw Michelle there at the hospital because it's the same hospital. That was it turns out that was like a few hours before Michelle went missing. So she's putting herself at the crime scene, basically. And she says they said, what was your reaction to seeing her? And she's like, I was just like, okay. 
well, keep your blood pressure down. You don't want to lose this baby. Because Scott won't love you? Or what? It's the weirdest Are reaction. Are you sure you don't want to lose the baby? Because you don't seem care about, about anything. anything. So... The cops are right, so suspicious of her, but she's very tiny and she's pregnant. So they don't feel like she could have done this alone. So mm. then at the Fraser, let's Keith see Michelle's car. Remember, this is where we have rewound at this point. Right. So this is as they saw the car when she first went missing. And this is why they turned it from missing person to a homicide. There's blood in the car, several parts of the car. And okay. on the floor in the parking garage. So this is why people are upset on Twitter, I'm assuming? No. I'm I'm assuming this is where I was upset that you should have told the family that. I think the family could have known that. Yeah, I think that, and I honestly, I think they could have known she was dead too. I think you can tell them that she's dead without telling them information that will scare off the person who did it. I think there's... I think that you could say there's blood in the car. They know they fe- they know the police found the car. I think that you could say straight out. The person who did it knows they found the car because that's public information. And the person who did it knows there's blood in the car because they were there. Right. So, so not telling the family just seems weird. Yeah. To me, I thought that that was the, the oddest thing is that why. But in the we've world seen it on Datelines before and they just say it's company. It's uh, the policy of that like precinct that is our policy no matter what you don't tell them anything i don't know it does seem kind of cruel it's cruel because the family the entire time we think she's alive to the news to dateline i don't know if you because this is your multiple time watching it but for me as a first person viewer it's so prevalent that the family is like hoping that she is alive and really like it's hope and it's like convincing yourself kind of mm-hmm. hope So Mm -hmm. I think the police needed to be very clear about why they marked this as a homicide. And I don't think giving away, saying blood in the car is a huge giveaway. I just don't. But honestly, this family wanting to believe she's alive, even in the face of her being gone for so long, I feel like they probably would have felt like the blood just meant there was a struggle. But that doesn't mean that she's dead. So they could have convinced themselves that that meant she was alive still anyways. Maybe. Sure, she was had blood, but that's because they took her somewhere and they, she's still alive, you know? Yeah. But I agree with you that it's very strange. And I'm sure they have their reasons. We just do not understand what they are. Right. Totally. On the surveillance, we see Michelle kind of do this weird move when she's walking towards her car. She does a wide loop, kind of. Yeah. It's like she's sees somebody by her car, so she kind of does a walk away away like she's gauging it but then she approaches the car to me well I'll get to my theory later I really want to know what you think of that because that's the part that I remembered and why I thought I had seen it before oh interesting so maybe we've seen that action before or something but I was like hmm okay so then here's the big clicker this is what puts it all together Mm -hmm. there is an ID tag from the nursing school in the car And it's not Michelle's. Oh, boy. So they call the police, call the hospital and they say that's our new instructor who starts in a week. And then he Fraser is on the phone with the the hospital and he hears the person and go, oh, her card is missing. Her ID card's not here. Uh Uh-huh. Then we see the best montage 
of Keith explaining to us how swipe ID cards work. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. He is at 30 Rock. He's at the NBC office. Mm-hmm. He says, this is my key card. I have to, anyone has to use it to get into the Dateline building. He uses it and he opens the door and then he gets in and he says, and as you can see, we're all on camera at all times. So it pans out and you see a security guard watching him and watching a bunch of other screens. I loved this explanation in case anyone was not familiar with how swipe ID cards work. It was wonderful. It was a chance to get an inside look at Keith's day-to-day life. BTS, behind the scenes. Yes. Keith is all we want. Just give us a whole episode of We'll that. take it. Yep. We want one with Mank, too. And yep. Dennis, because maybe we could finally figure out what gym practices he does. And... Was that still happening? I just feel like he... Someone said he walks on a treadmill with a towel around his neck. And it really rang so true to me that I want to know. We're sure he doesn't own a horse and he doesn't go riding. I don't think so. Like the Marlboro Man? Mm, That doesn't feel right to me. So the hospital looks for when that card for the new instructor was used. Mm -hmm. And what do you know? They can go right to that time on the camera and see when it was last used. And it was used by Giselle Esteban. Oh, boy. But Giselle in disguise. One day before Michelle disappeared, the day before. So they see her footage. There's so much footage. Mm -hmm. This is our second episode in a row of very incriminating footage, by the way. And a person like, how do you not know? Like, at least Granola Man knew that there was a camera, so went to turn it off. He didn't. Well, you know, you're right. You do. I take that back. You're right. But if he hadn't known, that would have been more okay because it was a bakery. So you might not think this is a hospital. Like, of course, there is footage everywhere. She's dumb. Okay, go on. So the day before Michelle vanishes, Giselle poses as a prospective student just there to look around. Okay. So this is like a scheme. Yeah. Remember this for later. How planned this is. Right. So she poses as a prospective student. She steals a key card. And then when the school is closed later that night, she comes back when all the lights are off and she just wanders. Yeah. Turning on computers and which is weird. She's carrying like a clipboard with a class roster with all of the students pictures on it. Why? And she's going into classrooms and it's like she's, they thought it said it, it seemed like she was pretending to be a supervisor. It's almost like, like if there was audio, you would hear her be like, you're late. Why are you late today? Yeah. It's like she's doing a role play or something. It's really very strange. Yeah. In a lab coat because she thinks that what? That that's a disguise? That's her disguise. Lab coat and glasses. So because she thought that makes her look more like she belonged there again, the the hospital, this this school is closed at this point. It's at nighttime. Right. So she's just wandering at night in a lab coat and glasses on. That's not I, weird. That's not weird. Yeah. So for an hour and a half, she wanders around and then she leaves. This is the night before. Uh-huh. Then we jump to the day after Michelle goes missing. We see her on surveillance footage again. First, she takes her daughter to the Apple store and has an employee unlock an iPhone. She tells them that her daughter had locked it. So right when they turn the phone on, 
is when it matches the time code of when Michelle's phone started pinging like crazy with all the texts of people asking where she was. Mm-hmm. Then we see her go on camera to Chuck E. Cheese. And uh-huh. we see her on camera. She's texting on a cell phone. And at that very moment is when Michelle's phone was pinging, pinging at near that Chuck E. Cheese. And the friends and family were getting all those weird texts. So it's clearly Michelle's phone. While her daughter is playing whack-a-mole or peeing in the ball pit or whatever, sipping from a large pitcher of grape soda, she is texting. Pretending to be a dead person. Yeah. I didn't know after you murdered someone, there are so many errands you have to run. (laughs) You know, with Kara Vitamins, you can skip that trip to the drugstore. I love it. Isn't that great? And also, when you get their vitamins delivered to your door, they can help you with their sleep and give you the energy you need to cover up your heinous crime. That's great. Yeah. There are hundreds of health supplements on the market at my drugstore. It's like, literally, I think there's five aisles of vitamins at my drugstore. It is so confusing. But with Care Of, you take their fun, easy quiz. It took me like less than five minutes. Mm -hmm. You answer questions like, how much sleep do you get each night? Is your stress level high from murdering someone? And then taking a toddler to both the Genius Bar and Chuck E. Cheese in the same afternoon. Because that sounds like a nightmare for me. Yeah, it does. But if you're a multitasking mom of the year like Giselle, you're very busy. So you answer these questions on your quiz. You get vitamins and supplements specifically curated for your needs based on the answers that you do in your quiz. And they're sent right to your door in personalized packs. Also, we all care about what goes on in our insides, but some of us, we want to look good too. And Care Of has expanded their products to cover your beauty goals as well. Your hair, your skin, your nails, which I really need help with because I'm a biter. And everything you need to feel and look your best, both inside and out. Love it. So I know. It's amazing. And it's so convenient. You literally just put these packs, and they're really cute, and they have your name on them. And you just put them in your bag, take them with you when you go out of town. It's so easy. It makes it easy and not forget. So for 25% off each of your first three months of care of. So 25% off each of your first three months of care of. You go to take care of slash date dateline 25 and enter code date dateline 25. That's 25% off your first three months of care of by going to takecareof.com forward slash date dateline 25 and entering code date dateline 25. Love it. Check them out, guys. Yeah. Take care of you and me. I, I couldn't think of it. I, I felt like we were doing those improv things and you we have to were, keep... but it stops at you. Remember? It stops you at forget you. It. It's okay. I still like and me. It's good. I feel like everyone should be included. And us. And us too. <laughs> you have to do it angry. That's fine. <laughs> good job. And me. Really defensive. Can it do it? And me. <laughs> Katie doesn't think I should have vitamins, you guys. She doesn't want me to have beautiful hair, skin, and nails. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, that is when um, Michelle's phone turns off after this Chuck E. Cheese trip. So Fraser decides to put a tracker on Giselle's car, but it doesn't lead them to the body. But it does show them something weird. The day of that vigil that Scott, the boyfriend slash fiance slash whatever, was there. 
Giselle's car was circling the block of the vigil. That gives me the willies. I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -mm. So Frazier knows she did it, but did she have help? Yes. We meet the DA, Butch Ford. Great name. Uh, Good names in this episode. Wow. That's a name. He is bald with eyebrows and a soul patch. Love it. I think it's okay. Yeah. It's a power bald. No, I'm here for it. And it's a power patch. Mm hmm. No. So he thinks that she couldn't have done it physically by herself. So he wants the police to look at Scott. But Scott comes a looking for the police. Uh oh. She's been missing for 63 days. And Fraser gets a call from Scott. He sounds out of breath, which is really funny to me. And I got to hear it. Like, there was this intern at our work that we would send him to the mail every day at five to go take the mail. And he would come back like, <sighs> and we were like, what did, did you run? And he'd be like, no. And I'd be like, what? Why? But he, but he would breathe like that. And we're like, but why is he telling us he, is he lying? Also, he left like 20 minutes ago. He had plenty of time to just walk. Why is he lying about running? Or is he making us think he ran, but then he's saying he d- it's a suspicious breathing. Is he and a we- smoker? No. A secret smoker? No. You don't know. That sounds like a secret smoker to me. I never smelled anything. And he had a huge beard. I feel like I would have smelled it. I feel like I would have smelled it. Sorry, I'm making wild accusations about someone I've never met, but still. So I want to hear like how he was breathing and was it fake breathing or not? Why was but he breathing heavy, though? Why, why are they telling think- us that? I feel like it's to convey that he was scared. Um, okay, well, we get that. He says he found Michelle's phone in the back seat of his car. So That would freak me out, though. Oh, for sure. But they don't know why is he admitting that he has evidence. Is he innocent? And is he afraid? Or is he trying to outsmart the cops? And he's trying to just pretend he found the phone? Did Giselle plant the phone there to try to frame him. He's trying to pull a trav. He's trying to, like, give more information. Mm-hmm. So Scott goes to the police and says, you need to see this. So he shows them that he has had a temporary restraining order against Giselle because she's she's been acting cray lately. Uh-huh. Actually, for a very long time. Uh-huh. He had um, caught her broke- breaking into his house. Broke, I like broking in better. I know. Broking in. Well, it was weird. That, I, that was not the way they said it. They said they heard an alarm. He was mom was there and like he they ran outside and then. So his car alarm was going off because she set off his car alarm. He runs outside. Mom screams inside. He runs back inside. Mom is screaming because she's like there. And he found her at his computer. Like a little so rat. Creepy. That's, yes. that would, but like, I don't know why you would scream at that. I would yell like, hey, what are you doing? Get out of here. Or she had already been creepy maybe for a while. Also, maybe she's startled. She walked into the room and there's someone on the computer. Also, she thought she was alone. Could this all have been fixed by knowing that it was three in the morning? Yeah, I feel like we're missing a point of the part of that story that makes it like, oh, that's why you're screaming. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I would scream if Giselle was in my house anyways, especially if with I was those eyes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Thank with you. those eyes. Mm-mm. So four days before the murder. But the best the reason we find out it's four days before the murder is because Keith asks, <laughs> asks Fraser, when was this vis-a-vis the murder? <laughs> 
<laughs> I loved it. That was pretty cute. We don't hear it enough. So this was four days before the murder that she had done this. Mm -hmm. So she is trying to frame him, right? At this point, she was trying to do something or she's trying to find something on the computer about Michelle. She's trying to frame him. And what she's also trying to do is send an email from his email or something that like is mean to Michelle, right? What the... No? Yes. Also, we'll get to it later, but they thought one of the reasons she was logging onto the computers at work at the student um, nursing school was to find out where maybe she could find Michelle's home address because maybe she wanted to kill her there. So maybe she was going on his computer to find her home address. Mm. Whatever she's up to, she's up to no good. She had been threatening him and it had gotten so weird that he had started recording their conversations. Okay, this is like the... These are like these um, recordings are like the OMG moments of the episode, right? What, this is so this is where we get the quote. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they're sitting in his car or her car. The daughter's in the back seat. Their little Their girl. daughter. Oh my yeah. God. Sleeping in the back seat. She says, we need to talk about Michelle. Whenever you sleep with her, share food with her, you will be honest with me or I will take your life and hers. And then you hear the I I think you, I heard the daughter say mama, and I'm not sure if that was right or if it was a quality recording like issue. Cause at one point it overlaps with him saying what? But to me, I thought the daughter woke up. It was which is even creepier. But the creepiest thing is the level that she goes before she's talking where I am now and she's talking and she's angry and she's yelling at him and she goes, because I will. Da, 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 da. Look at me. It goes from like way up here to like uh-huh. yeah, demon. And you can take that to the grave with you. And then she's like, I can't believe you didn't sleep with her and knock her up. So she still doesn't know for sure if they slept together. But he's saying they did it. And she's like, I don't believe it. And you, and she thinks Michelle's pregnant with his baby. And then, she's, then she gets low again. You deserve to die for your lies. As does she. Like she's auditioning for Game of Thrones or something. First of all, do you think that he tried not to laugh? I almost laughed. I laughed. If I wasn't so like scared of her. I wasn't that scared of her. I thought it was a big show. It's all. It's like she's auditioning for local community theater and she's doing a Shakespeare monologue. It's so overdramatic. Like she's maybe practiced it in the mirror or something. She's done a full Lady Macbeth and is staring into the mirror with like these crazy eyes. It's it's very fake sounding to me. Like it's very put on. Who speaks like this? You deserve to die for your lies. As does she. It's the as does she that is so formal. That's what I'm saying. It's like she wrote it out and memorized it. But It's at that point that I was, if I was him, I see why he got a restraining order, but you need to call some, she needs to go away. Yeah, she has problems. Girl has problems. That's a problem. And I feel like that tape recording is enough for more than just a restraining order. I could be wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, he already has full custody of their daughter. He should be getting a restraining order against for the daughter too. Um, Oh yeah, she should be nowhere near the little girl. No. And then she ends with our quote that scared me so much when Dateline said it to me. (laughs) 
This is your last and final warning. Do you understand me? This is your last and final warning. Yeah, I under- you said it before. Like, oh, you're repeating it. Okay, for dramatic effect. I don't know. I sounded really phony to me. I know we're supposed to, it's supposed to be scary. I know that Giselle really wants it to be scary. I know that's the effect is to like strike fear in the heart. It makes me feel bad for her. A little bit like, oh, embarrassed for her because. Yes. I don't know. I I will say it scared people on Twitter a lot. What? But to me, it sounded real fake. Like, yeah, no, it made me think almost that he was in on it and he was recording it. If it didn't. Yeah. Make her look so guilty. I would think she was in on it, too. And she was trying to make herself seem scary as a prank. And Did, then he, like he was going to give it to someone as a joke. That's but a, it was going to the police. So that's not funny because then you're going to get arrested. I could absolutely see that. Do you think that maybe it's just because we went to theater school that we think like that? I, it didn't sound authentic to me at all. Oh, it, no, it totally doesn't sound authentic to me. Unfortunately, it is kind of authentic. It is. That's what's weird. Maybe we're just not. Yeah. Maybe because we would see it as bad acting, but because it was real, it came off as bad. It wasn't real, though. But we're used to seeing acting come off as bad or good. But this was real. I don't think this was real. We can't though. even judge. I think she did practice it. She so didn't she's just come trying up with to that. scare him, but she doesn't even need to try to scare him. Her behavior is scary enough. What's her? Okay. Her eyes are scary enough. We're going to get to the motivation, but I, okay, press on. Yeah. So here's the real kicker is that Michelle and Scott were apparently just friends. They had never slept together. There was no evidence of that whatsoever. Giselle had just become obsessed with it. And they get all these texts. Scott shows her, her, his phone to the police. And it's it's years of obsession about Michelle. Thinking that Michelle is the reason why they broke up. So Michelle is the reason why she doesn't have her daughter anymore. Michelle is the reason why her family was torn apart. It's all Michelle's fault. Because she slept with him, even though they never slept together. They didn't ever really sleep together? That's what I'm saying. There's no... They never slept together. They were just friends. I'm sorry, I didn't get that impression. I did get the impression that they slept together, but they didn't have a relationship. No, they were just friends. That's what the police say. I'm sorry, I thought it was said in a way that it was like they weren't like having this long drawn out affair that she thought they were. I think they slept together. Like oh, friends I got with it. Benefits. Like they were just friends. Oh, OK, then maybe so. I, I could be wrong. I, no, I'm probably wrong. I'm sure that I'm wrong. So keep going. Either way, she made it out to be whatever way bigger. One. Oh, so she made it out to be all of the problems basically in her life. Yes. All boiled down to Michelle. Yeah. And so she's nuts. Then the DA, Butch Ford, says all murderers are sort of screwed up. It's like, tell us something non-obvious, Captain Obvious. I like him. I like him, too. No, I really like him, too. So then we get a little backstory on him, which we don't usually get on the DAs. But he raised his eight younger siblings in South Central L.A., Mm-hmm. He meets with his grandma once a week for dinner and gets advice from her on all of his cases because she is the first female African-American judge in the county. She's super impressive. She's amazing. 
elegant, like just see is so smart, just impressive, prestigious. Yeah. And I bet she gives really good advice. And so yeah. and so we see them having B-roll dinner and talking. It's really cool. So they feel like they don't have enough for the case to prove against her. I feel like they have a lot. Yeah. At this point. It's all circumstantial, but it's still a lot. So then they get a call from a priest. Why does he call? Because he had a suspicious encounter with a woman that concerned him. But why did he wait to call? Why didn't he call earlier? I don't know. Well, Are we hearing we this don't out know of how timeline? Much time, yeah, okay. we don't know how much time has passed at this point because we rewound so much. So, yeah, right. Okay. So he met this woman there at the church and he said, do you want to go into the confessional? She said, no. And he kept offering, do you want to go into the confessional? Because she wanted to talk to him. But they were outside of this patio area. And so because of that, he's allowed to go to the police about it. Because she's not in a confessional. Mm -hmm. Someone online was saying, like, because he said, do you want a confession? Like an official confessional. I don't know if it has to be in the booth or if it's just like. No, I think it has to be just official. Off the record type thing. Is this on the record? Is this off the record? Like he kept saying, do you want to make a confession? You know? Right. Um, But she didn't know that. I'm sure she thought that. uh Because I wouldn't know that. I would think if I just spoke to a priest, it's like speaking to a lawyer. Right? I've never spoken to a priest, so I don't know. That it's off the... I've never have either. But, um, well, Oliver's dad was a priest. But... Oh, then I have. Yeah. So I don't know if he took... Hmm. Confession. Um, I honestly don't know if they did. I should know that. I don't know. So she was apparently... Asking for forgiveness for something she hadn't done yet, but kind of sounded like she was about to do. And Keith is like blown away by this. He's like, what? Wait a minute. She's also wearing scrubs and matches Giselle's description. Oh, my God. Guess what time this was? This was 3 p.m. on the day Michelle went missing. So that uh, priest goofed it. Because he could have stopped this whole thing from happening. Well, he had no details. What do you go to the police and you say, there's about to be a murder? I don't know who, where, what. Because I don't think she said, I want to murder a Vietnamese nursing student. I wish she had. That would have made this a lot easier. But he could have said, it's a nurse. So maybe it's a fellow nurse because she's dressed in scrubs. But then what are they going to do? Go to every hospital? Yeah, I know. And say, girl, you in danger. Yeah. Exactly. We have to take all nurses out of here right now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they don't really still know how Giselle killed Michelle. And there's no body. Giselle's DNA is in the car, Michelle's car. But the girls knew each other. So that doesn't really prove anything. But then finally, finally, they find Michelle's blood on Giselle's shoes. There we go. Finally. Finally, Fraser gets something and he gets to arrest her and he says she has no reaction. Yeah. And I was like, duh, we, you met her. She has no reaction to anything. Right. She's half asleep because she's not taking her care of vitamins. And she's not taking her other prescribed meds. (laughs) The family is shocked because they never thought it was her. I don't know how much they knew about how problematic their relationship. They just... I don't know how much Michelle had told them. So they might have just known, yeah, they kind of had a falling out, but they were best friends for a long time. So they didn't maybe 
ever think about it. But I would think that Christina would know more. I was a little surprised that Christine, sorry, that Christine did not know a little bit more about the drama behind it. But maybe none of them I don't knew think, how bad she was. I honestly don't think that Michelle knew how bad it was. Yeah, I agree. Because I think Giselle was keeping all this crazy pants stuff in her journal and lashing out at Scott, but maybe not being that crazy, like not interacting that much with Michelle. So because they said that Michelle's last text to her was actually, you'll you'll always always be my friend. friend." And I almost texted you you that. Oh, I would have been like. And now knowing what Dateline did to you, I totally shut up and I'm mad at myself. (laughs) I missed opportunity. I know. So, but like, that's not something you text to someone who has been calling you and um, keying your car and like threatening you. You don't say like, you'll always be my friend. So I don't feel like she had been telling Michelle how insane she had gotten and how she thought Michelle had ruined her life and she was going to kill her. No, not at all. Scott knew about all this stuff. Right. But Scott. Did Scott warn her? No. I don't know. Scott's reaction in the car wasn't what I thought it was going to be. He's just kind of sitting there and she's doing all this spooky stuff, saying all this stuff to him. And he goes, why? (laughs) Scott, like, is a bro. Scott doesn't care. Uh, I don't mm. know. I have more. I don't know. Do you have information on Scott? No. Oh. So then they do another search for the body. And Carrie McGonigal. Oh. Now Professor we know why Minerva's she's here. Sister, uh-huh. She brings along her new search dog in training and who's wearing a cute little search dog vest. She is barking and acting weird and she leads Carrie to a spot and Carrie sees twine and bones mm-hmm. and it's the remains of a young woman. And Christine, cousin Christine is back at the headquarters and she said the search director, this is my boyfriend, Brad Dennis. Mm-hmm. Brad's, oh, okay. Yeah. He says, um, hey, babe, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm just going to go check on something. And she was like, he never leaves the search center. So she knows something is up right away. And he's like, no, I'm just um, I'm just going to check on something. Just mm-hmm. going to the site for a sec. And Christine's like, they've found something. And then Christine gets a call from a reporter saying they found Michelle's body. Can you comment? Christine's like, they didn't find her body. What are you? And then like, it's horrible. It's awful. It's horrible. And so they confirm that those were her roommates. It's just. Ugh. Nobody wins. So they go to trial. There's so much evidence. There really is. She blamed all her life on Michelle, all her life's problems on Michelle. And this is when he says that she broke into the hospital to find Michelle's new address and maybe kill her at her house. And mm-hmm. not at the hospital. So the evidence, so much evidence, overwhelming. The defense doesn't even try. Oh, wow. This was shocking. Yeah. They, Giselle admits that she did it. Which is like, what? That never happens. And so the DA is shocked. And Giselle says she did it in the heat of passage. What's passage? Maybe I wrote passage. It was supposed to be heat of the moment. You meant heat of passion? Heat of passion. It's supposed to be passion, guys. When Katie said heat of passage, she meant passion. Uh-huh. So, Katie, why do you make these mistakes? <laughs> so, what? sometimes when you're texting on your phone, you're just like, it autocorrects. 
And then when you go back later, you're reading it with conviction because you're on a podcast. <laughs> so you try to make it land and make it heat of passage through the desert. Through <laughs> time. Moses led his people. And passages. Oh. And um, so what is In that? In the part? passage of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. That's <laughs> why King, King of the Hill, because he has to become a hippie. And he's like, I can't believe I shopped at a place called Passages. Because he had to shop at like a hippie store. And of course it's called Passages. Of course it's called Passages. So she said that she killed Michelle heat of passion because Michelle ruined her life. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of go into this victim blaming of Michelle. Of course, there's no proof that Michelle did anything towards her intentionally or otherwise. It would be volunteer manslaughter, though, if it's heat of passion and she could get out in nine years. And she's a, she's she's dumb. But that's smart. That's smart. And I don't like it. And as Keith and the DA are talking about, the DA is like, I can't even tell you how she, she did it. How, where the body, like, we have the body, but like, I can't even tell how she did it exactly. Like, what weapon? Like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Believe they, she snuck up behind her and cut her with a sharp object. That's just what he thinks. That's what he thinks. That's all we got. And Giselle isn't saying what's happening. So he's like, so I can't even tell you exactly what happened. But they can tell you exactly what happened because she's saying she did it, but she's saying it was just heat of passion. So, like, is the jury going to believe that because they're telling her, in a sense, more than what I'm telling, you know? And Keith is fascinated by this quandary that this puts him into. So what's really nice is the whole family, there's like 20 of them and they take time off work and they drive up and they're there every day at the trial and the DA says he's rarely sees that kind of support from the family. That's beautiful. Th- then we get to find out about the jury. And they are in a room that says jury room, period. There is also a sign earlier that says uh, interview in process. <gasps> we'll get to it in B-roll. But there's some funny. There are Interrogation some funny- room? Interrogation room in progress. Gareth Keenan investigates. There are some. Uh, <laughs> that's the British office people, and we do not quote that nearly enough. No, but that's the one that I immediately thought of. So good. Interrogation room. Interrogation room in process. In process. That's terrifying. <laughs> Gareth Keenan investigates. <laughs> so good. Quiet, please. Investigation in process. So good. And he's like made all these different signs. Okay, so the jury stays out for five days. What are they doing for five days? I don't know, but that was so stressful at the very end of this episode. But the, but I thought Christine would have been a lot more upset if we didn't get the right verdict. So I was watching her facial cues to figure out what was going to happen. Oh. But they said as it was time was going by, they were really. I was worried. I was like, oh no, they're gonna they're gonna mess what this up. What the heck are they doing for five days? They're gonna mess this up. I was very upset. It, there's so much evidence. Also, it's not heat of passion. There is so much evidence that it was planned. She went to the hospital the day before and pretended to be a student. But the, what did they say in trial that she just wanted to talk to her? Isn't that what they said in trial? I just wanted to then talk. talk to her like this. Right. But then something happened that made it heat of passion. You broke into a school. And you stole a key card and pretended to be someone else because you just wanted to talk to her. That's not even suspicious. I would have liked to talk to the defense attorney and find a find out exactly what the defense said. I would like to know that. What did they use? 
what exactly did they say happened if it wasn't what happened? It's to me, it's so obvious that it was planned. But you don't know. What if you get in there and the defense attorney's really crack bang whiz and like really good. And then he's giving you all these different waving shiny objects around. Yeah. In the form of a motive, because we don't get food. That's what would distract me. We still don't get exactly. We still don't get a motive. We don't get a motive on this. Like, where's our motive for why she actually did it? Her motive is for hate. Hate's a hard motive. Rage, rage, and because she thought she had ruined her life, so it's revenge. But so I'm sorry. So she waited six years to do this. That's not that great of a motive. She's pregnant again. She's pregnant again. She wants her family back. And the reason she can't be with Scott is because he ruined it when he slept with Michelle. It's not that you're not convincing, but that wouldn't convince me. I don't buy that. The tapes of her saying, I'm going to kill her four days before are not premeditation. That wasn't four days before. Yeah. She was in the car with him. Yeah. I thought that was like two years before or a year before. No. You deserve to die for your lies, and so does she. Yeah, that might do it. Four days before, those tapes might do it. But still, it's kind of like, well, then you should be in the hospital. Like, that would be my... I mean, I'm wondering if they weren't trying to give her some sort of an insanity thing. But they didn't. They Well, I guess heat of passion is sort of temporary insanity. That's kind of what it means, right? You go crazy in that very moment. What about permanent insanity? Was that on the table? They didn't know. So they find they the jury stays out for five days and they find her guilty of the higher charge, first degree murder. I believe someone said she got 25 years. That's what they said on Twitter. I'm not sure. Doesn't seem like enough, especially because she's young. So I don't like that. No. Yeah, I don't like that. Not at all. So Keith says something to Christine, which is interesting. Like Mank always talks about how he doesn't really believe there's closure because he thinks it's just made up and it does because families never really get past it. And then Keith says the loss is still just as awful, but the world is back on its axis when you get the guilty verdict. Like I get what both are saying. It's not like you get over this. You're not, it's never not going to be painful, but at least the world kind of makes sense now because like you've gotten justice. Because justice has been served. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, Keith, you're a poet. He really is. So are you, Mank. Don't, I'm not saying you're not. You're both poets, gentlemen. So are you, Dennis. I feel like I have to talk each one. And Andrea, dear God, it's so stressful having four children and you have to praise them all equally. (laughs) You're all wordsmiths of the highest order. Mommy and mommy love you all <laughs> equally. <sighs> so um, the DA, his grandma, very proud of him. I want to hang out with her. She seems awesome. Um, Mark and Christine volunteer with Mark Class's organization, Finding Missing People, which is amazing. And um, Christine, we have so many precious moments in this whole episode. Oh, my goodness. Christine says that... Um, she comes to her in dreams. Keith fully tears up. It is like he has tears in his eyes. It's rough. And we had heard earlier, so Michelle and Michael's mom died when they were younger of cancer. And that's why she kind of helped raise Michael. And their mom, when she was alive, had always told them these stories about this lady in the moon. So he, when she had died, he kind of felt like his mom was in the moon. And then when Michelle died, he says he now feels like they're together. 
kind of like looking over him. And he said, it's not my time yet, but I can't wait to see them. It was beautiful. I actually really liked Michael, the brother. He's great. Yeah, he was really great. And I felt so bad because when he talks about his mom passing, she never told them that she was sick. And then she she died suddenly and they didn't know. And he said uh, the way Christine told it was that Michelle had seen him in the garage holding one of his mother's things and crying. And it was at that moment that it like dropped in for Michelle that she was going to have to be the mother stand in while their mom was gone for her little brother. And that's so beautiful. And I felt really bad for him that now Michelle was taken from him, too. And I'm like, well, you're a man now. You're you're on your own. And I yep. At least he had Christine and the whole rest of the family. He has the whole rest of the family, but it hurt. That was hard. Brutal. Um, Also, at one point, Michelle says when the hardest times for her were when um, Keith sits down with them at one point while she's still missing. And he goes, how are you two doing? Like very fatherly. She says it's hardest at night when she's going to bed because she she thinks, I hope Michelle's in a bed. Yes, that was was, heartbreaking. God. But that's also what that is exactly what I'm talking about, by the way. Like they yeah, that false hope they wouldn't have of it's also the fact that they terrible were, being happening to her right now. They were with Mark Class, who specializes in finding missing people. Mm-hmm. That's why, too. Mm-hmm. That's why it seemed like they really were pushing because the police were not telling them, no, we are 100 percent sure that she's gone. But they did classify it as a homicide. I think that's literally all they did. I think they say they gave them that piece of information and no other pieces of information. Right. And that's really hard. If I was them, I'd be like, well, what? Okay. What does that mean? Why have you done? How sure are you? And if then they're just brick wall, nothing, you got nothing. So then you're contacting private investigators and missing persons because you're like, well, she could be still out there. They're wrong. Because you don't have the information you need to be able to make the call. And I feel like if they had been given more, they would have been able to make that a more serious decision on that. That's why I'm frustrated. Because when you are when you want to hang on to as little hope as possible, you need a 120% sure answer. No, you need to stop looking. She's not alive. No. And I think that the detective could have done that. But... They didn't technically know for sure until they found the body. I mean, technically, she could have been held somewhere. There was blood in the van, but that's all they had, you know? So the police, they just assume it's a homicide at that point. But I do think that information would have been like, if I was the detective, I would have said, I'm going to tell you this. There is enough blood in her vehicle that we are pretty sure this is a homicide. Mm hmm. And that would have at least been able, you would have been looking with different eyes. Do you know what I'm saying? But you would have been ready for that that ball to drop. Yeah. Like she was gone. I'm more emotionally prepared. Yeah. I don't know. That's all I'm trying to say. But I am glad that Twitter was kind because I was worried that Twitter would be getting mad at the family. Like, she's not there. She's obviously not. But keep in mind, the family has been given nothing to go on. Right. So, ugh, frustrating. B-roll. Oh, my God. Wait, no, first... Dedication. This episode is dedicated to Kristen P. and Katrin. I don't know if that's right. Katrin. Katrin? Katrin. Katrin M. Katrin M. and Kristen P. I believe 
that they are a Cirque du Soleil duo. Oh, Chris, Kristen and Kristen Catherine. stands on Catherine's shoulders uh-huh. and they dance as if they are of one body, a very tall woman, and do flips, flips to Britney's You Better Work B. That'd be great. I would and like they that. Do like, they do like handstands and stuff, but like together, one of them's on the other one's shoulders. It's good. It's good. That's what I want you guys to do. If you don't, I hope you guys reach out to each other and find each other. Yeah. Because you're great, Petroni, and I think you have a real future when this pandemic is over because Cirque du Soleil is going to need to get their acts back together. Quickly. So Quickly. If you can rehearse this socially distanced, we would recommend it. Via Zoom. Try. First. Try. Yeah. Somehow. In the... You'd have to have someone's shoulders to stand on, I would think, to practice. So get someone who you've been socially distancing with and then practice. And then you'll practice with each other in person for like a week and then you'll be ready. Yeah, that's all you need. It doesn't sound that difficult. I think it'll no, be No, okay. you guys, K&K, a fellow K&K, you can do it. Come on. Um, thank you, ladies, so much for being Patroni. Thank you. B-roll bonanza. Yeah. What do you have? So they did that, this, the fanciness things that were odd that Jason, Justin, whatever was doing. Justin. Mm -hmm. Which is um, a lot of eight by 10 photos on various items around town. So um, on lockers, like at at school, they'll have like Michelle's photo and then they'll talk about Giselle and then they'll have Giselle's photo like taped to a locker. And then there's um, the bars of a school playground there's a photo just attached to it and then there's school benches and then the photos are just taped to it and then at the end there's a body of water and there's a large rock and there's her photo is taped to the rock Wait, but this isn't real this is like was it actually a- i think it was actually a photo and not um you don't think it was a special effect I don't think it was a special effects, actually. I think Justin was the intern that day, and he was carrying around the photos, having to physically tape them onto items. Well, then that's not Justin. That's Aaron. And Aaron was grumpy and hot She and came to Justin and was like, you're so lucky you get to be inside, Justin, and be do stuff. I kept running out of tape, and I had sticky tape fingers all day. I had to walk around with, like, just pieces of tape ripped off because they wanted to tape photos to everything around town. And Justin really wanted to, is like, hey, do you maybe want to grab some Panda Express later? And she is not it's like, I'm it. wiped. I'm not. No, She's I'm like, sorry. I just so, want to go home. I just want to wash tape off my fingers. And so he blew it because he brought her onto this project. But he project didn't know that she was cranky because of the tape. He thought she was just saying no. Yeah. Because she's not interested. But it was really, she really was tired. And no, she really was fingers. just tired. And if he had asked her any other night, yeah. But but he never did again because he thought she wasn't into him. It was a mis- classic miscommunication. Yeah. Uh, did you notice the blonde detective was Fraser? Did you notice that he was shooting a gun towards the end? That seemed unnatural. He didn't look right doing it, you mean? No. Maybe that, didn't. well... It was a confusing choice of B-roll, and I'm wondering if they gave him options, and he was like, I'd like to show target practice. That Do was you think that's me. because of people like us who judge him based on his name and don't think he's a real detective and think he's a big Tom Hanks trapped in a man's body 
And that's why he needs to overcompensate and be like, no, I'm totally a real cop, guys. Here's me shooting my gun. No, let me be clear. I did not judge him because of his name. I judged him solely based on how he looks. That's what I've tried to tell you. This was a completely looks-based judgment. That's all. And then did you notice that in the family's house, in the big family, when they did, they did like a big family shot of all the 20 cousins and all that, the shoes in a pile? I loved it. Oh, I did. Yeah. I thought that was such a great B-roll moment. I was like, oh, that's like the perfect Vietnamese household. Do you know what I'm saying? It like tells a million things. I I just loved that. Um, And then is Michael an EMT? He's getting into an ambulance, like an ambulance van, it looked like. Oh. To drive to work or something. Maybe I missed that. Good for him. I don't know. But is the whole family kind of into medicine? I didn't know. I don't know. Maybe he went into that because of his sister, wanted to I save lives. Know. I don't know. Oh, that's beautiful. I could be dead wrong. I'm I'm saying that up front. Don't, don't at Kimberly or me. I might be wrong. I thought that's what I saw. Was he wearing a uniform? He, he looked like he was wearing one of those coats. Huh. Big thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. Did you have other B-roll? No. I didn't have anything besides the Gareth Keenan investigates. Uh, I had a quote, though. <laughs> I had one okay. quote. I had folklore is the kind of reality that is like armor for a child, protects in the time of terror. About the woman in the moon. About the woman on the moon. Yeah. I thought that story was really sweet. It kind of got me, got me in my my center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and then, sorry, one, sorry, Polly Class's dad and Keith, the dismal comment. Did you get that? When Mark Class corrects Keith. He says something about like, he's like, well, it's all a bit dismal. And oh. Mark Class goes, no, it's not dismal. Oh, yeah. It's this and it's uplifting and we do this and this. But I wouldn't say it's dismal. And I was like, OK, just take it down. Take it down, uh, like Scoach. A, like a Scoach. Well, he had said his work is his therapy of like finding these missing people. Yeah, he did. He didn't like hearing. I feel like maybe he's heard that a lot from people. But when you hear it from Keith, you just go with it, Mark. Yeah, you don't need to be defensive. Keith is not attacking you. No, he's not. He is here for the victims. And he's a wordsmith, so he's using a large Mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Alternative theories. Yeah, what you got? Well, I have questions about this other Vietnamese American nursing student who was killed 13 months before and from the same area, same last name. And maybe it's a common last name, but still she's missing. We ne- And then they find her body and then they never find out who did it. I have questions. But then I also kind of think Scott was there because <gasps> I really do. And I think when she circled around, I think she saw someone in or by her car and she was weirded out. And she was she thought she saw Giselle. She wasn't going to approach. She did a wide circle when she saw someone was by her car and she saw it was Giselle and she wasn't going to approach, but she saw Scott was with her. So she felt safe. So she approached and then he was able to subdue her with the knife. He didn't sound very scared on those tapes, which I don't know why he, I think he got scared of her maybe after they did the murder and then he decided to turn her in. But I don't know why she wouldn't have admitted that he was there the whole time. Maybe because she wants their kids to be raised by their dad if she's going to go to jail. Um, we've seen before there was like a dateline where a girl was so crazy jealous that she convinced her boyfriend to help her kill the 
object of her jealousy that he had cheated with or it maybe didn't even. It's happened on one or two datelines. I could kind of see it happening. Question for you. He why did her into it. Why did she go down? What was the impetus for her to go down to the car? Why did she leave for work? I don't know because they didn't really have a text or on her phone that was suggest that. Maybe she was paged or something. Someone called the hospital and said come outside, I have something for her. Like, for the, like, calling, pretending to be her sister, saying, I'm just dropping something off. Can she come to the parking garage? No, because the, no, because the nursing instructor would have known that. And the nursing instructor had no idea where, where she went. Nursing instructor came looking for her because she didn't know where she was. I assume they, cops would have known if there was like a, a text. A text. That's what I'm. Or a call that came in right before that. So so there was no text from any number saying, can you come out to your car real quick or there's something wrong with your car? How did she get her to come out to the car? I don't or know. Or how did he get her to come down to the car? Somehow talk to another nurse. Go that. What if another nurse was heading inside and said, would, hey, can you tell Michelle to come outside? I mean, obviously you would think a nurse would come forward and, with that information. To yeah, the or the nursing instructor or whoever the nurse had told. Like, the, it doesn't make a lot of sense that she would go down without any kind of prompting. And it seems like um, her just going through and deleting the tweet where she told her to come down. That's is. Are we at the time period that that would still all be retrievable? I think so, yeah. This was 2011. Yeah. So was it... An email? I mean, that wouldn't have been... That would have been there, too. Right. Unless the police were dumb and thought, well, we don't see it on the phone, so we're not going to look for any deleted messages in the system. So I'm thinking that somebody actually called the hospital. Because that you wouldn't be able to tell, right? It would be like, we put a call through to this department. Sorry, I thought, I thought you said that they called and talked to the instructor. No, just like had her paged or called or something and just gave a, had them give a message to her. Okay. Sorry, I misunderstood. The receptionist would maybe know. Yeah, I, don't I know guess. If the... I guess we, I don't know why we're not told why, like how that happened, because that seemed like a big deal, how she got down to the car in the first place. Did they never figure out? If I had thought of that, it would have been worth asking Dateline producer about on Twitter. Oh. But I feel like if they knew, that would be very important to the case. Yeah. I feel like it's just one of those things they don't know. Like, they don't know exactly how they killed her. God, they do not know some really important stuff. This would be hard for me as a jury. I would be like, what, how, what, how did this happen? You know? Yeah, but you know it's her. There was blood on her shoes. That I would know, but I would still really want to know what happened. And then you can't get the information. You can't be, like, in the jury room can you ask this question to the lawyer? Because they don't know. It's a different, you know, that stinks. I don't trust Scott completely. That's all I feel like. I like your alternative theory. It got me there thinking. There another person that Giselle had as a friend that was like, go to bat for her. Probably some creep. Yeah, maybe. Was the daughter Or some her? girlfriend who's like, you're so right. Michelle is bad news. She's always been, je- I've always been jealous of your friendship with her. She's bad news. The daughter wasn't with her that day, right? We don't know. Better not have been. Uh, if she lured her over with the daughter there? So she had to kill her in the parking garage really, really quickly and then move and the body. And throw her in the car, yeah. Because there was blood on the floor of the 
parking garage. Yeah. And we think she was trying to hide who she was by wearing like a, a lab coat and having her hair back or something. Is that what we think? I don't. I don't know. Mm, okay. I think Michelle would be. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I would be wary of anyone standing by my car, even if I didn't recognize them. Did the woman say did the because the nursing instructor flag tried to flag down the car when it comes back in. But could she see if there were two people in the front? I don't think so. No. Darn it. And it's not good enough surveillance footage. Wouldn't that have been so good? Oh, that stinks. That would have been so good for your theory. Going along with my theory, the person who heard the car parked when they found it a few blocks away, heard conversation between two people, they thought. So that leads me to think there was somebody else in the car. What would Scott's motivation be to have Michelle dead? Just to get in on these dumb datelines I've seen where it happens, it was literally just to appease the crazy girlfriend. So she would finally stop talking about it and they could move on with their lives. But they weren't really together at this point? Right. He had custody of the daughter, but she was pregnant again. And we're still not sure if it was with Scott's baby or not. That kind of matters. Man, we have a lot of questions here. Okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. We still have lots of questions. We do really have lots of For questions. For two hour, this is a lot of questions. This is a lot of questions to be left with. Okay. That's all right. We probably got confused and missed some things. Apologies, guys. Did you have Twitter? The top one? Anna Christine123 said... When Keith asked Michelle's brother, how did that make you feel? I realized Keith should partner up with BetterHelp and be a celebrity counselor. There we go. <laughs> That's good idea because Keith lo- lent, his, lent his voice to Waze, remember, and gave directions for a while. So couldn't he lo- loan his voice to BetterHelp and you would type text with like certain problems you'd have and he would text back, Pre, they they would text back with pre-recorded responses from Keith Morrison telling you different things that all amounted to your day is going to be okay, slugger. I think that he could do affirmations. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a place that sends you like positive things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He could be that person. Mm-hmm. Keith Moore is Morrison. <gasps> more is more. Listen. No. Okay. Go ahead. I'll get it. Is that an affirmation? It's, I'm trying to think of something clever that it would be like Keith Dennis quips. is Keith more than enough, more than Morris. Dennis, Keith is more Are you than trying enough. to combine the two? I was going to try to, because the, people constantly are tweeting us um, affirmations that say you are more than enough or you are enough in big cursive letters, because there's a lot of journals that say that. So people tweet them to us all the time. And so that's what I think of as an affirmation now is you are enough. Really? Yeah. Because of Dennis? Because we say that about Dennis, so people send him to us. That's cute. You're like, really? People do that? No, I thought I thought they. I was like, why are they sending us affirmations? Because we're so sad. Why do they need? Why are they sending them to us? But it's because of Dennis. I get it. Dennis. That's why I was trying to make sure. I was just double checking. I was just double checking. <laughs> just double. Just I was just testing the Kimberly temperature. Kimberly sounded so sad last I time. I was testing the temperature. It wasn't you. I was worried about. <laughs> Katie sounded so sad this time. I was just, I was just, just, you know, testing the temperature, temperature, as it were, in the time of Corona. We all got to be testing the temperature. And you know what? A general affirmation, not even related to a joke we made, would always be appreciated. It would. I'd be fine with that. 
I like general affirmations. Just not like a lot of them. You made it seem like we were getting a lot of them, which I was like. No, but when we do, it's always the ones that it's always a picture frame or a journal that someone has seen at TJ Maxx that says you are enough. You are enough. Yeah. We, so who doesn't need to hear that? Oh, I had a couple more. Kaiser Sose said Mark is a class act. His last name is class. He beat me to it. And then he said, oh, was that your title? No, I said my two titles were very serious. Oh, Kaiser also said super disappointed to learn 30 Rock doesn't use voice recognition for Keith. Oh, sorry about it. And then Sarah Greenfield said he should just have a certain panel to lean against that opens a passage just for him. I know that would be great. He would just lean. It would sense his shoulder. Keith's passages. Yes. It's perfect. Yes, it would just, yeah, it would be like a shoulder recognition system called the Morrison A100. (laughs) It'd be great. Um, Michelle Bond said, I wouldn't object in seeing more of Butch, Ford, and Nana. And Flutie's Girl said, the Butch and Nana show coming this fall to NBC. Yeah, Butch and Nana are good times. Here for it. Yeah. And that was pretty much it from Twitter. Thank you. Thank you, Twitter. Thank you, Twitter. Um, okay, so let's do these titles. What'd you get? I was working on Bones. Bones, Bones, Thugs, and Harmony. Bones, all type of Bones. I don't know where I was going with Bones. Okay. Scrubs, Lies, and Videotape, which I, I kind of did last time. You but I can't really take it. I get... Doing it? No, you can't keep doing it because last time was the top 10 of 10s, and then now you're just riding that wave. What if I work it every day, every time into there? But different, it's cheating, slightly different. But I'll allow it because it's it's still if you feel like you have something with that, but it has to have videotape in the episode. Okay. That's the rule. And this certainly did. Yes. So you can do it. Yeah. The patio confessional search party in the USA. Patio confessional. At oh, because the they were on the patio. Um, that's actually all right. And search. Pa- what is that? Search party in the USA. There you which go. Is, that's what Cindy thinks our search party song should be. You had a lot of titles. Look at you. And then ID Tag Network. Like ID Network. But yeah. ID Tag Network. That's good. I like it's it. It's not good. It's good. It's great. No, it's not. It's really good. I had one title, but it's not very good. I mean, I think this is easily could have been called Final Warning or Giselle's Final Warning. The Final Warning. Something like that, right? Last and Final Warning. Yeah. Or what did Mich- she say? Last and final warning. That would have been good, too. Um, Or Michelle and the Moon. Michelle and the Moon. No, mine were both kind of sad. And I'm... We should have ended with yours. (laughs) 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 What's your lies and videotape? Scrubs, lies, and videotape. There you go. (laughs) Done. I don't want no scrubs. Yeah. No, just scrubs, lies, and videotape is excellent. No, it's... Did it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to... Thank you, everybody. Uh, Follow us on social media and check out our Patreon. And thank you. And be safe. Wear a mask. Take care of each other, guys. Be nice. And maybe just don't go into a parking lot. Ever. Whenever someone tells Dyke is trying to lure you down there. I don't know. I don't think there's a lesson here. The lesson is... If you look by your car in a parking lot and there's someone wearing fake Groucho glasses... (laughs) 
But she wasn't. That's what was hard. I Honestly, I would we say... We don't know what she was wearing at that time. Just be extra careful in parking lots, just of all scenarios. Danger zone. They really are. I don't know. I never highway feel great. To, comma, highway to the... Oh, very good. I like that. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Danger zone. <laughs> Danger zone. Lana, would you say we were going to a a zone that is... um? fraught with um danger what would you call that type of zone <laughs>